Where does your security in life lie? As we look at ambition and failure this this evening in the light of the cross, that is the key question for each of us. Does our security lie in ourselves or in God? Ambition for the world and that's the ambition we've been immersed in since childhood, is about success, about proving ourselves, about doing our best. It's the Donald Trump school of ambition, as Graham writes. It's upward, it's competitive, and it's individualistic. I received a letter in the post this week, and it was entitled Ambitions, and it asked me, What was my ambitions for the future? It said perhaps we wanted to own a holiday home, or perhaps we wanted to take a trip of the lifetime. Um, The bank stockbrokers were very kind. They said that they would help us achieve those ambitions. It was very kind of them. What ambitions do you and I have? Ambition isn't wrong, but Christian ambition is radically different. Christian ambition, says Graham in the book, is to become like God, the God whose essential characteristic is love, to become capable of selfless love. I don't know about you, but that's something that I don't find easy. I naturally love myself first. But we see in Jesus that ultimate selfless love. He left the glory of heaven and came to be born as a tiny baby in a stable, knowing he would be scorned and ridiculed and nailed to a cross. His whole life was for the benefit of others, not himself. His life was curtailed age 33. Surely that is the complete opposite of natural human ambition. I was on a college retreat this weekend, and we stayed in a beautiful house in Coulomb. It had 19 bedrooms. It had a panelled library. It had lakes and acres of land. And I looked at the history of the house, and it had been owned by a Mr. Sidney Kay and his wife and young son. Oh, to live in a house like this, I thought, as I walked around it, imagining myself, my worldly ambition coming to the fore. But something far more glorious happened to the house in the 1950s. A lady called Florence Allsholm obtained it, and she turned it into a place for missionaries to come and rest and be healed and restored. Missionaries who'd been forgotten, who came back to England and felt absolutely exhausted and had nowhere to go. And she saw that need, and she obtained the house. Now, Sidney Kay was clearly a very successful, ambitious man. But Florence was also an ambitious woman. But the motivation was selfless love. She used the house for others, for their restoration and healing. Peter, the apostle, was also ambitious. He was ambitious in his love for Christ. In Mark 14, that Simon read to us, 
when Jesus predicts that all will fall away. Peter declares, even if all fall away, I will not. Yes, says Jesus. You will, three times. Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. But you see, Peter's ambition was still based on himself. I'm different, said Peter. I'm better than these. My love for Jesus is greater. I'm going to be the best. Even in his declaration of love for Christ, Peter is individualistic and competitive. And we know from the reading how it all unravels. It's just as Jesus predicts. Peter curses and swears and betrays Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. Oh, Peter, no! But he does. And when he realizes what he's done and the the cock crows, he breaks down and weeps. His ambition is in rags. His failure is plain for all to see. Failure always does seem like the end of the world. I failed. I'm not who I thought I was. I'm not as clever or as invincible as, as, as I convinced others or myself that I thought I was. Perhaps I don't even like this person who's failed. You know, my dad used to say to me when I was a teenager, he said, Sarah, you can tell me when you failed as well as when you succeeded. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to tell you any of my failures. I'm going to keep those to myself. I just want your praise. I'm going to hide my failure. The wonderful thing that we see is that despite Peter's disappointment in himself, Jesus isn't disappointed. Because he knew all along that Peter would betray him. And he loved him still. Jesus' love for Peter wasn't based on what Peter was going to do for him, or not do, because it was deep, unconditional love. And it's the same for us. God's love for us is not rooted in our achievements or our successes. It's because we are his children. Just that. Do you know that? Do you know that you are his child if you have asked him into your life? And yet, Peter did fail spectacularly. And that can't be just made to vanish. And Indeed, 2,000 years later, we're reading and thinking about it. There was no cover-up. What does Peter do with his failure? Well, there was Good Friday, Saturday, the glorious events of Easter Sunday with Jesus rising. And then Simon Peter goes back to what he does best, fishing. It's comforting. He's good at fishing. He goes back to where it began, where Jesus first came to him. But Jesus knows that his, his, his failure needs healing. And we see Jesus come to call Peter to reinstate Peter. 
It's breakfast time. The disciples are on the shore. They're cooking breakfast. Perhaps they're excited chatting to Jesus. And what's Peter doing? We don't know, but is he, is he quiet? Is he less, slightly less confident, or is he hiding it with some false bravado? Emma's going to come and read to us what happens. part of uh, the story is from John 21 verses 15 to 17 when they had finished eating Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John do you truly love me more than these yes Lord he said you know that I love you Jesus said feed my lambs again Jesus said Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Thanks, Emma. Such a wonderful passage, isn't it? Three times. Do you love me? And the first, so much more poignant. Do you love me more than these? Betraying Jesus had meant that Peter hadn't really loved Jesus. And there he is, face to face with Jesus, Jesus who looks at him with love and compassion, and Peter is hurting inside. Lord, you know all things. You know I betrayed you. You know I love you. And there with nothing else to give Jesus but himself, Jesus can use him. And Jesus wants to use him for great things. Feed my sheep, he says. And Peter becomes the rock on which Jesus builds his church. Why is it that God can use those who've experienced failure more than those who've only ever succeeded? I think it's because our failure allows us to see ourselves as we truly are. It exposes our frailty, and it exposes our need for God and his grace, his forgiveness, his power. It removes our reliance on ourselves and puts it on God. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12 of Jesus' words to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. As Graham says in the book, it's not that God wants us to fail or be unfaithful to him, but he wants us to rely on him so that in his strength we are able to be more faithful and robust in the future. I asked at the beginning, what do we place our security in? Is it in ourselves or in God? 
Worldly ambitions place self at the center. So we don't risk. You know, we don't fail. There's too much at stake. But in contrast, when our security is in God, we're free. We're free from the need to be competitive, to be better than others, to be self-reliant, and to mind how we're seen. We're free to love others, to put others first, to serve them, and so becoming more Christ-like. Jesus asks each of us here today, do you love me? Sarah, do you love me? And we say, yes. Lord, you know all things. You know I've let you down. You know I've put myself at the center. You know I've just lived for myself and not you. You know I love you. And Jesus, in his glorious, gracious love, forgives us and restores us and frees us to serve him. And he says, follow me. That's what he says to each of us, follow me. Will you follow? Amen.